Welcome to another episode of What's Real and What's Not. And today, we we got my guy Devin Majors here, man. And and I didn't think I'd get him on the show, but I got him. Yeah, appreciate you for having me. I mean, I heard a lot of good stuff about your podcast. You know, a couple of my friends been on here. I know Dave was just on here not too long ago. Yeah, most definitely. So, yeah, I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about your podcast, so it's cool to actually be on it now. Man, I was I was surprised when you was like you was like you was like yeah I can get on get on the podcast now I was like oh shit because cause I was just I was like ah oh, maybe he won't want to get on you know <laughs> hey but then but then you say you would I said oh yeah we in business we in business for sure but uh, no I want I wanted to get you on because like I get I don't I don't really have like a lot of like political like like political. Political people that just like know what they're talking about, and you was and you one of the few people that like actually know what you're talking about when it comes to like politics, like social justice and all that type of stuff. So I just I I, I just want to get you on here to like give us like your point of view on things and stuff of that nature. Yeah, I try to uh, <laughs> I try to learn as I can about them so I can be informed and then hopefully you know inform somebody else about it. Most definitely, most definitely. That's what I like to hear. But, but like, like for real, so, like, how you been? You been good? Yeah, man, I'm in law school right now. Uh, I just finished my first semester not too long ago, and then our second semester is about to start up. Um, so I just graduated, like, um, 2020, so. Yeah. Been in school. It's been a marathon, but I'm almost done. I got more about, um, after this semester, I have two more years left, so. I'm almost at the finish line uh, when it comes to school. Ooh, is is law school hard? <laughs> Come on, we know it's hard. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, yeah. Other ways, not. Um, it's it's different than the un- undergrad. Um, a lot different than undergrad. Um, the work, like the work type, is different. The amount of work you got to do. Really, I feel like an undergrad, you kind of can just kick it and like chill all the time. Yeah. Um, but law school is like you got to be all in if you want to do law school. Damn. You kinda, yeah, you got to really be dedicated to it. Um, it's doable, but oh man, ain't nothing too hard. Like, but saying go, man. If, if something was easy, everybody be doing it. Hell yeah! If something was easy, anybody could do it. Man. Um, shit, but but I trust and believe you gonna get through it for sure. I appreciate, I appreciate it, bro. For sure, man. But I wanted like so like. I guess I just wanted to start, just you know, your upbringing. So like, so like, where are you where are you from? So I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, born and raised. I was born in um, South Nashville. Um, a lot of people don't know about me. Uh, I was born in the there's a housing project called J C Napier. It's out there in um, South Nashville. Um, I stayed there for about I want to say a couple years. I stayed there for about like two years, and I moved. To Antioch, mm. Antioch, now in Nashville. Then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia for a while. Then mm. I moved back to Nashville. And then when I moved back to Nashville, I moved to Madison, which is like a neighborhood in Nashville. Then to Gillisville, another neighborhood, back to Madison. Then I stayed in Madison for like a good about five so years. And then I gra- um, Then after that, I went to um, college and all that. Okay, you was kind of all over the place. That's it. So- you, always moving, always. That's why I know so many people, man. Always, every every year I'm at a new school, I got to meet new people. So it's just, 
you constantly used to have to pack your bags and go somewhere else to meet people and stuff. I already know. Look, I did the same thing. So, like, how was, like, so, we did you live with, like, in a two-parent household? Or? No, I stayed with, um, it was pretty much my mom, like, majority of my life. And then, um, I think about third grade, fourth grade, um, but I, um, my current stepdad, he came into my life. So, he's been, um, he's been around for a while. And I always, I, I keep in contact with my dad still. Yeah. So, he just lives in another city. Okay. What was it? Was it? Did you feel like it was important to have that, like that father figure in the household? Man, definitely, man. Because it's like you know, mom can. Mom's like for, for me, like my mom is like, man, that's like the number one person I love, and that's like the same for a lot of people. And it's like you know, your mom can go work every day, um, buy buy food for you, buy clothes for you, buy you the stuff you want. But it's like after a certain age, like, a dude is not about to listen to his mom for the rest of his life. Hell no. <laughs> that, that just ain't how fun to go. Like, 15, 16, that's when you need to have a man in the house because that's when, if that dude don't got nobody in the house to check him, he gonna do whatever he wanna do. Yeah, most definitely. That's the biggest difference I've seen between uh, people I grew up with, um, myself, it's like, a lot of people who didn't have a father figure in their house, whether it was a dad or not, like, if you didn't have somebody, uncle, brother, Somebody that's gonna keep you on line, they end up getting in trouble, going out, just doing whatever they want to do, and then they go out there trying to get some quick money, whatever it happens, and they end up getting caught up. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so man, I mean, I went to high school. People that got shot, got killed. Like I don't, I don't see it at all. Man. I seen it all. It, it's crazy though. Like, like for me, like I really never had a foggy father figure like living in my household, but it, I never wanted to like, like go just make some money or nothing. I, I just. I always just wanted to, like, keep something to keep me, like, distracted. Like, when I was in high school, I was always, you know, playing basketball. Like, anytime I, anytime I got out of school, I was playing basketball. I didn't, I didn't like, everybody else, you know, they were doing drugs and stuff. You know, they were selling drugs. I just, they, I knew it wasn't for me. I said, yeah, that ain't for me. Y'all can have that. Yeah, i kind of been the same way. I've always been a, when I go in a room, I'm, like, quietest person there. I'm trying to get a feel for everybody. And I always try to learn from other people's mistakes. So if I seen somebody else get their hand burnt by touching this like stove, I only touch it myself when it was hot. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Some kids gotta touch it multiple times for them to realize, alright, this stove is hot and he stopped touching the shit. But like a lot of people they just um really it really depends on the person, man. Some people they like flashy stuff get them. Other people, man, they can wear the same like pair of shoes every day, you know. <laughs> Nothing really man matter to them about it. Shit, shit, that's how I was. I just wore the same pair of shoes. No, no cap. I was the same way, man. It's like, like everybody wants you know to have good stuff, but I'm like, man, if I gotta go out there, and, cause I don't want to get nothing, and have somebody be able to come knock on my door and take it. Yeah, yeah. If I get something, I gotta work for it. I don't want nobody to be able to come and you know, take something back from me. Most definitely. So like, so like, so like, at what age did you just like taking interest in like politics? Or just like social justice? I want to say my freshman year of college. Um, before that, I really used to just stay in the house. And um, I stayed in the house. I used to love like playing games, listening to music and stuff. That It kind of was all my childhood, middle school, high school. I was just so like, I stayed to myself for the most part. Um, I didn't really care about politics. I didn't really think that it mattered or nothing like that. But it was, um, I want to say it was my freshman year of college, because I got to Martin, um, UT Martin is where I went to school, mm-hmm. um, and that's 
West Tennessee, for anyone who doesn't know where UT Martin is. But it's a PWI, a predominantly white institution, um, meaning there are some, some uh, historically it's a, like a white university, more white students go there than black. Um, so I went there, and I come from Nashville. Nashville is like, it's not a, um, a black city, but it is pretty diverse. So you got a little bit of everything in um, Nashville when it like, comes to race and ethnicity and stuff. And then I went to Martin, it's like rural West Tennessee. It's like a majority uh, white or uh, southern uh, town. And I went from Nashville there, so I get to Martin, I'm trying to, um, I get there, I don't, like, I'm like confused, I'm lost. First time I ever seen a farm, like farm animals ever in my life. <laughs> I, I'm on the drive there, I'm like, man, all these farm animals and cows and all that kind of stuff. But I was like, I was culture shocked when I first got there. So I was like trying to, I'm like, I gotta find me something, I'm a dude that's gonna make me feel like at home here. Yeah. So I'm like, People, I heard about this. SGA had a, um, a, a council for the freshmen called Freshman Council. So I joined um, Freshman Council. Uh, it was like it's like my, I want to say the first month at being a Martin, I joined there, and I joined uh, Freshman Council, and I was like, probably one of the maybe four or five black people. Damn. Um, that were, and we would be talking about like different stuff in the school, like tuition increases and. What classes are we gonna add? What changes are we gonna make in the school? Man, I'm coming from like a city like Nashville where man, it ain't it ain't like I feel like in small towns it's kind of a you need to know your place if you're not black. Yeah. You're not from around you know your place. I come from a city where anybody idea matter. Anybody can speak and criticize or give input about something. But I come to Martin and I speak and I'm like the whole room get quiet when I start speaking. I'm like, damn, like, what I say? <laughs> so I, I didn't know that it was offensive to them for, I, I don't know, it was like so offensive for them to hear ideas that were, they didn't agree with or they didn't like. Um, and it wasn't all of them like that, but it was a good majority. Like a good, if I have to give a number, it was a good, about 90% of the people in the room probably did not like me my first uh, month there. Yeah. And I just, and after a while, everybody just started like ganging up, ganging up on me, trying to stop me from talking at the meetings. And damn, we got real bad in there. And I was like, man, I see why politics is important. Because if there were other people in this room who thought like me, this would not be going on right now. Yeah, it wouldn't be ninety percent of the people in the room able to team up on one person. It would be this side like this, this side, like other side like this. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you gotta have a you gotta have a role in it for that stuff to matter. So um, after my freshman year, I think the first thing I noticed that really was the biggest issue I ever like talked about at that time was the uh, minority affairs office was like closed for a while, um, and I started like I started like a petition to get the office back open up. Of course, that that pissed some people off. That was like man. Y'all hear rough uh, trouble, stirring up all this trouble, getting everybody up in arms about the office being closed and all that kind of stuff. And then after um, I just did a petition about that. I mean, I met with uh, Chancellor at the time, and we ended up um, things did end up getting better for the Minority Affairs Office. It actually got expanded, got a bit a bigger budget, and they got a um, more programming and stuff like that, like events and stuff. By the time I actually I actually left Martin. But initially, it was just, uh, I feel like it really wasn't valued as much. So I definitely brought some awareness to that along with some other people. And then the second thing, which made, like, na- national attention, 
Was that concealed carry uh, bill? They yeah, yeah. I, okay, I remember that. I remember, bro. So, okay, so, I so so we both came in like around the same time. We came in at five sixteen, mm-hmm. and then that 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 concealed carry, bro. That shit was, bro. That shit was big as hell, like everywhere. And I was, so I wanna, yeah, it was sophomore year, so twenty seventeen. Um, I was an SGA at the time. Um, I think I was like the attorney general or something in there. I deal only like with student court stuff usually. But then I was just in there chilling one day, and then I hear about a gun bill. I'm like, hold on, what? Fuck for the shoot I. Out here in Martin, West Tennessee, like, because at the time like, I was in a BSA and stuff, and I knew how um, I've been to a lot of like different forums and town halls and stuff where you have black kids come and they talk about how they feel in this town. It was a culture shock for me, so I know. I mean, I'm one of them people who felt some kind of way being. And it's like, y'all want to give everybody guns? Yes, I was like, bruh. Just like the Trump era of politics. You want to give people guns and walk around the class? Like, no. So, as like, so like, um, soon as they introduced the bill, I was like, I didn't like the idea, but the, but the way I, I guess the biggest issue for me, I'm like, y'all doing this and y'all not telling anybody about it. Um, so when they first introduced like the, uh, the bill to do it, um, of course they couldn't actually pass it. It was just a suggestion. But I felt like there were people who could actually make it happen. They were watching what was going on at Martin, and they would take anything that Martin did and use that as uh, justification for trying to do it statewide. Um, so I seen that. And I, I got on Facebook, made a Facebook post telling everybody about them trying to pass the gun bill, um, and then I was just trying to get them to like, Mike, can y'all host? Forms, town halls, can y'all, like y'all talk to people before y'all even try to do it. Again, it's like like I said, ninety percent of the people in the room did not did not like me, so there was like anything I said was just disregarded. Yeah. So at that time it was like nobody's listening, nobody's trying to help everybody out, nobody's trying to get other people's perspectives. We have these meetings at nine o'clock at night, people in their dorms chilling at home, doing whatever they do. So I'm like, you know what? I'm doing a referendum. So I got. I looked up the rules of how to get a referendum started. I needed 250 signatures. Ended up getting like 400 by the end of it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Two days, I went half. I was in a UC tabling. Just meeting people in the hallway after class, in class. Like, it was just, had professors giving me shout-outs in class. Like, you want to sign a petition? Yeah. Uh, sign up in class. Like, we got them signatures. Like, uh, about two, two, three days, we got the signatures. And then we had the, um, then we had the referendum. After the referendum showed that majority of students do not want guns on campus. Yeah, I signed it. I signed it. You said what? SGA decided to pass the gun bill anyway. Despite majority of students saying they didn't want it to happen. Mm, I remember that. They were able to pass it because the president at the time appointed multiple people on the night of voting so he can get them to come in and vote. Okay, so it was a it was like another incident. It was like but it was something else that that year. I think it was that semester. Protest? Yes, yeah, but it was like that 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 big ass protest that, Oh yeah, so I'm 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 still, I'm still like working the way there. We like almost had the protest. But this is like this is like right before the protest, that's when uh, he appointed all those people. And then that Friday, that was like on a Thursday night. Yeah. That Friday was, I 
seen some people outside, um, and they were upset about what happened, and they were like doing like a small, silent protest outside. And I came to them I'm like, "What y'all here protesting about?" And it was all, oh, man, the, the bill. I'm like, "Man, I like that. I didn't like how they did that either." So we said, "You know what?" I'm like, "Y'all, let's go up to the SJ office." So we went up there that Friday. A lot of people didn't know about this protest, but we was up there that Friday, and then we was in there. We had the news come because they heard we was protesting. The news came in there. It was about probably about ten people. And then I, I met with some people afterwards, and I was like, you know what? That protest wasn't good enough. We need the world to see what just happened at this school. So we got, we put out so many press releases. Um, shout out to uh, Amber Sherman. Uh, she helped me uh, actually get that press release out there to get people, uh, uh, media to know about it. But we got that second protest. We had that during finals week, like on a Tuesday or something like that. We had about 300 people in the office. We had about 300 different people, students, come to the office. We had, I think, five or six media um, outlet stations came in there interviewing people. We had, we even had hot chocolate there to give out to students who came. Like, we was like, we had a real organized protest. Yeah. I guess what I learned from that protest, like, when you organize at, like, the grassroots level or, like, it's called local level, you can get a lot of, you can really change some stuff. Yeah. Because after that moment, like, we had more people starting to join SGA. They cared about what was going on, um, so it, that ninety percent to ten, that ninety percent to me changed from about fifty forty. Yeah, a lot of starting to agree. Like, they start, I, I see this guy; he might talk a lot in these meetings. He might hold these meetings long. We're trying to get in here, voting stuff, and go. But he might ask questions and hold us up. But they started to see. All right, we need somebody else in here to question some of this stuff. We want. Yeah. After that concealed carry, we actually got that because more people started to see. The influence and the power that SGA had, um, and then after the whole concealed carry thing happened, that was pretty much over in around December. I ended up running for SGA president that following um, that following March. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And when I say that was a movement that school has never seen before, bro, bro, that shit was crazy because I was so like for like for me. So, like, when we first got there, it was, like, you were, like, the first, like, black person, like, to me, that was actually doing something, like, with SGA and, like, stuff like that. And so, like, like after that protest, and it just felt like, it felt like everybody wanted to be part of, like, SGA, BSA. It just felt like everyone wanted to be a part of that, like, a lot more after that protest and shit. And then... When you was like running for like SGA person, we said, like, "Oh yeah, we gotta get me SGA person. We gotta get him there for sure." Man, yeah, that was some. There was some like funny times, man. Like that's all like bittersweet. Just looking back on it, man. I remember we had like a lecture day cookout. When I say that tent, we used to open up at like ten a.m. We had people there until like six o'clock that night. Mm-hmm. Everybody was just outside camping, just grilling, like listening to music, and just it was just it was just beautiful seeing how. When everybody come together, because we had all kind of people. It wasn't just like a all-black ticket. We had all the different uh, racial minorities there. You had, you had a lot of white folks there. You had people from all walks of life. Like, it don't even matter, like, liberal, conservative, whatever. We just had a big coalition of people all together around the common message that everybody, everybody's voices need to be heard here. We can't just disregard people because they don't agree with us. And a lot of times when you're in areas um, like Martin, Tennessee, it's like a monolith. Most people there come from the same area, probably similar, same church or something. It becomes a. Uh, it's so easy to because us versus them. 
and start kicking people out. And it's like, especially in the South, we see, I see this all the time, and people just get so discouraged by you lose an election or two, so you just stop voting. Yeah, yeah. Even this, even though this was a uh, college SGA, man, it just it has like real world implications for me. Cause I'm like, man, if we can do this at a school, I know we can do it. Some of these local governments at the state level, man. We just had a presidential election not too long ago, and Georgia just flipped. Mm-hmm. They still went to Trump, flipped by a couple thousands of votes. So I'm like, man, this can happen anywhere. You just need people to organize, get people um, to see the importance of these elections, and actually get involved in it. Most definitely. Most definitely. That's that's like one of the few things I learned. Like one of the most important things I learned at Martin though. Just like really like every vote counts and shit. And like anybody can make a difference. So it was just elections ain't decided. A lot of the times, man, these elections aren't uh that lopsided. Yeah. It's just you have people who just don't vote. Like Tennessee is one of the states that's like at the bottom I, I, I want to say a couple of years ago, I know we were 48th. I'm not sure where we are now, but we were 40th in turn, voter turnout. Damn. People are not voting in this state. And we wonder why we have senators that aren't listening to people, that don't do town halls, that don't uh, reach out to people, especially like minority communities. Like, Yeah. They don't have to because you're not like you're not voting. Like They can get people to look like them to go out there and vote. And that, those are the people voting. But it's like if you want to get your voice heard, you got to vote somebody in there that's going to listen to you. The politics is a 24-7 match. It ain't a, I'm voting, I'm, vote, I'm, I'm one and done. Like, no. Like, uh, that's that's one thing I've seen with Obama, man. When Obama got in office, you got a lot of people that vote for him. But after he got elected, people stopped voting. But I think just yeah. having fun, man, seeing what happened when, when everybody sits out an election, um, I think that got more people to realize that we need to vote. That's why this last election with Biden and Trump had such a big turnout. Cause we had pushed, we had COVID and all that kind of stuff going on. But man, vote matters. The politics suck, but it's like people say I don't do politics. I just run this my own business. I'm like you, don't, you might not do politics, but your landlord do it. <laughs> Most First, definitely. You know, call, you know, the bank, he don't do politics. Most definitely. And that's why they where they are, and that's why you are where you are. You got every election. You got to make sure you get people in there that's gonna do stuff to help you. Mm. I feel that. So, I mean, I not 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 to, I guess not to, not so, okay. So, I guess we're still talking about Martin. What was that like? Was it was it like any other, like press like like pressing social issues like that really happened at Martin? Um, I want to say after those elections and stuff. I don't know if it was... I don't think it was directly tied to it. But Martin started to have a lot of racial incidents after that. Yeah. Uh, like, we had a um, person come on campus, and they put, like, uh, hate flyers on cars. Yeah, I remember that. Students um, uh, had a recorded video saying the N-word. Tragic. We got a push for uh, African-American history class on the campus now. So I want to say uh, Martin is there's Martin starting to have those conversations. It should have been had a long time ago. Yeah. I hate the you know, things that they trigger it, but it's like I feel like Martin is now having that race conversation that it should have been having way back in the day. Yeah, but you know I'm glad that we're like the reason that they're having it though. Like you know 
because of us, they gotta have that shit. Definitely, man. Cause you gotta have, you gotta have people in place. Um, you gotta have, you gotta have black leaders um, at the table so you can get. Because it's like honestly, if you don't have representation at the table, nothing's gonna get done. Uh, Martin has gotten a lot more. Uh, still not, still not enough, but Martin has got a few more black people to work up there in positions of power. So yeah, I think things can get better up there, but you gotta have people who are dedicated year like around the clock. And those people, honestly, they can't be students. Like you need people to work there to get listened to. Because students, man, I remember like being in the SGA and being at Martin, man, that was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, as you had the, not only was, not only was I like just doing SGA, but it's like I'm at a PWI, I'm in West Tennessee, and I'm black. Who? Those are things that usually don't go together. Not so, at all. But the pressure is just, like, it's high, man, because you, you got, uh, at the overall campus expects you to be are you actually president you're supposed to be official you're supposed to walk around and not get in trouble I mean look you're supposed to be the best bro yeah the, the bar is so high for you just because you and SGA you got this high role and then on the flip side I'm also black so it's like I had there were expectations of black people from me as well yeah because seeing you as a almost like it's like a hero like you were the first black person in like 10 years to ever do SGA so people like you have the black expectations of you, you have everybody else that like, has expectations for you, all these different groups that have expectations and things they want to get done, and you got to constantly balance all that stuff, and also be a student, also get ready for graduation, also be human. It's like that's a lot of that's, that was a lot of pressure just to be put on one person at the time. I already know. Did did you ever feel like the pressure was too much for you at one time? Man, it was so many times. <laughs> So many times where I just I just sat back and I'm like man I sat in my room I'm like man I had to go talk to some like one of my mentors at the time um I have to go just take a break take the day off yeah I ain't doing nothing I ain't, I'm just standing myself like it was plenty of those days because some days were good other days was just too much like you got too many beatings in one day you got just unnecessary drama somebody upset about this somebody upset about that so every day was every day was like a different challenge. I already know. So now I, I don't want to. I want to go to like the uh, the fun side of Martin. You know, we talk about the serious side, but like, cause like, let's just talk about the fun side. So like, what are just like some of your favorite memories from like Martin? Man, I want to say uh, also was Greek. I'm in uh, Alpha Phi Alpha. Um, so the MPAC and Martin the D nine of the Black Fraternities and Sororities like. That's his own little community in Martin. Like, oh, for sure. Martin might be in the middle of nowhere, but you would feel like you and like Cali out there. Like when I say Martin has the best college parties in the state of Tennessee, bro. Like, bro. But I've been to like I've been to I've been to Austin B. I've been to MT, bro. Come on, this, this shit just not like Martin, bro. Like it's, it's a small town. Everybody hospital. That's one thing I can't say about Martin. These other places ain't. Yeah. And Martin, like everybody, like you can go to a set, anybody can come. Um, you can go to a party, you know somebody there, like nothing crazy about to happen. You might have a fight or something, but that's that's about it. But like some of these other schools, man, they be having just wild stuff going on and they parties and all that. But Martin, man, it was just it was just chill. Anybody can come to Martin and have a good time. Whether you in school, whether you're graduated, anybody can go to Martin and have a good time. 
Most definitely, cause, uh, cause like, okay, so I don't even, I don't even recall like the first time we crossed paths. I think it was like when, let's see, might have been after we both crossed that we actually crossed paths with each other. Cause like, cause I knew, I knew of you, but I just knew I was like, oh yeah, he is, yeah, he he on that politics. And I was like, oh, and no, no, he messing with nothing bad. Ice building parties all the time, every weekend. But I I would I would never see you at them until like you cross. I just I wouldn't see you, and then I was like, oh, I always see. Like yeah. I started really going out after I crossed. Like, um, like when you got the Greek discount now, I'm like, I might as well use it. I'm like, man, ain't nothing going on this weekend. I might as well go to this party. I already know. So is yeah. the, sorry. Uh, I was gonna say, do you have like a uh, did you have like a favorite party you like attended? I want to say. Oh yeah, bro. You talking about when uh when uh? Ashen went home. Yes. And I say we had a it was like a party at the uh, station uh, clubhouse. That was the most turn. That that, that, that I think that pregame was better than the actual party was. Yeah. Because the the whole campus was there just happy. Like we had the first homecoming king and the first black homecoming king all in one. Yes. The whole, the whole, the whole black community in Martin was just like we always just like we always just turned that whole weekend. Hell, yeah, but it it was so lit that weekend. But but thing is like homecoming, you know, it's already gonna be lit. Like it's but then when they said homecoming king Ashton and Hoyas, we said hey we going up, we going up, cause it it was just like but it was just like a fuck you to like everybody at Martin. Like like to be honest, like all the white folks people was like fuck y'all, bro. <laughs> And then, like, this shit was just crazy. Yeah, that was, man, that was, uh, I'll never forget that day, man. Because I remember, uh, just the whole homecoming, um, ceremony. Because we didn't have a homecoming king before. So I had to crown the homecoming king. Yeah. So I'm like, I get, I get the crown, the first black homecoming king. Like, that was just, and I knew Ashton because he was initiating stuff with me. Um, so I was like, man, that was just, that was like a holiday. They need to make that a decision. I'll, that's I would never forget. That probably was like my, one of my best memories at Martin. Just yeah, the whole day. Yeah, like when I asked everybody, they say twenty eighteen homecoming was like that was just one of them years that that shit was lit. Yeah, I I definitely agree. It was just one of them years, and like, but but it's just like so many memories at Martin. It's like but this is all like you can't really just hard to pinpoint like what's your favorite because it's just so many because you. Probably would be, um, as far as like fun event, like that probably was it. Um, that, like it was a good step show, it was good, like it was just an all around, like good homecoming that year. Yeah, I say, I, I also say one of my favorites was like the stroll off last year because the old school, new school, yeah, the old school, new school, like oh, yeah, that, was fun too. that it, it, but like it just felt like everybody came back and like that shit was lit as hell, and I just. I just enjoyed myself because you know, everybody came back and shit. Yeah, that was real dope. Um, yeah, that was good. I like the stroll like a frat too. I like that too. That was a good party uh, afterwards as well. Like that was like that was definitely my top five like days in Martin. Besides like my like my own probate. I'm sure anybody that went group their their probate their probate after party is definitely like their 
in their top five, Most, top three like, events. Most like, definitely. Your mama, man, for a, for a school that small, where it's at, people be surprised, man. You get into Martin, you, play, you have the best time of your life. And you don't got to spend more than about $30. Exactly. But, like, like I could, I could definitely say I picked the right college to go to. Like. Man, definitely. Because you want to go with any, anywhere else and have that kind of fun, you're going to be coming out your pocket. You're coming out your wallet. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. You've got to pay a lot of money to get in this park. $30, 40 to get in. You're going to have to pay for somewhere to stay and all that stuff. But, Martin... Everybody share, so it's like everybody will go in on a bottle. Everybody, uh, uh, share. even if you don't got a bottle, people share with you at the party. You yeah. Don't gotta, it's like everybody just cool. Like you gonna get home safely into the night. I'm gonna knock on wood, but like I don't remember nobody ever getting in, um, like no wreck, DIY, none of that stuff. Man, everybody yeah. took care of everybody. Yeah, yeah, but everybody's like, you got a ride, you good, you good, you know, take you home. Cause like it's five minutes up the street, so you know we all going to the same place basically. So, I mean, it's all love. Yeah, I definitely don't regret Martin either, man. It was a lot. Of, it was a lot of good times there. Most definitely, one one of my favorite ones is where so so Kevin, you know, you know the nuke, you know, happy happy family like to the nukes. But you know they uh, but they man posted something and it was like me touching your shoulder, <laughs> and he was like, he was like, when nigga won't leave you alone. I think I remember that night, but I really don't. I was like. I don't know what happened that night. I was, I, I have seen a post on Snapchat because he posted like uh, every couple months. I see him post again. I always laugh at it. But I was like, I don't know what was going on there. Bro, we was all so drunk over <laughs> over there. I don't even remember. I, I think what night that was. I really have no. I have no clue. Cause it wasn't even no party. We was just all over there. Cause it was a random weekend. Everybody was just there. I think I think I remember that night now. It was like. Everybody got there early. Yeah, yeah, and then everybody was there real early. I don't know if it was y'all having a party that night or somebody, but but it was like I think it was a pregame for something, and everybody was just there like at like nine o'clock. That was the earliest pregame I ever been to in Martin. Like, and we were there for like three something hours before the party even started. Yeah, I, it would. We didn't throw none because I I would have been at the party, but nah, it wasn't us. I just remember we was drunk as the fuck, like. <laughs> but no man it's it was some real good memories man but best years of, uh, of your life as they say definitely Martin. Martin Martin was a good place I, I love college when I was there um college ain't man I feel like man college ain't for every single person but man if you go to college yeah have a good time. Leave your room. For sure. Leave your room. Please leave your room. Don't sit in your room doing work all day. Mm. Leave your room and go out there and meet people and you go on your college experience is gonna be worth it. Hell yeah. So like did so like did you kinda like like mature and grow a lot when you were in college? Like find out things you didn't really know about, like shit like that? Yeah, definitely. Um because I went to school uh Mar- I mentioned before like I was my, like Nashville was about three hours away from Martin, so I'm like, I'm out there by myself. I don't got no family in West Tennessee. I'm just there, so I'm like, first time in my life, I gotta worry about my own bills. My car break down. I can't just call nobody to come fix it. Like I have to figure all that stuff out on my own. Like that was my first time really having any kind of independence. 
to starting to get like involved in school, take on leadership roles. Like then you got other people relying on you. It's like man, you you, you well, like you will mature real quick um, inside of college if you you out there uh, being involved and um, doing stuff like. So yeah, Martin definitely uh, made me more mature um, than I was coming in because coming in I didn't know about I didn't know about much. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a freshman. I had to learn like everybody else. Yeah, good experience. But uh, okay, so I guess so. What are like some of the issues in like the black community that you feel like isn't talked about enough? Ah, hmm. uh, off the top of my head, I think the, the biggest problem the black community has is like the family structure. How so? Can you explain? I say that because from the family structure, the problem I'm about to get into, you know, pretty much attach a lot of other problems to it. And by family structure, I mean that majority of people growing up in the black community did not have two parents in their household. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually the mom taking care of them. And I mentioned earlier, like, man, mom can only do so much for the son. Even if she give 110%, there's only so much you can do for this son because he need a man in the house. But you have a whole generation of people who grew up in single-parent households, whether the dad was not there, the dad had another family, whatever the story was there. That stuff matters. Like, when it comes to having two parents in the household, like, if it's just a mom working by herself, and she probably working all the time to make up for... Because kids, kids ain't cheap. Yeah, yeah, and they expensive. And if she's got a really good job, like, she probably working a lot. Working a lot to try to cover, uh, financially cover all her kids' expenses and her own too. So then you got basically it's like the mom work all the time, so you have a lot of kids just around. And it's like when you have two parents, man, it's a you got a pilot and a co-pilot. When you just got one pilot, if he mess up, the whole the whole plane crash. Mm-hmm. When you got a co-pilot, there, they both can work together. Like you got a down day, I can help you. You got a down, down period, I can help you. But it's like if you just got one person there, like it's all on their shoulders. Yeah. So, so what what would be like the solution to like? I, I think, I think it's good, and it's like it's like a double edged sword. It's like, on one hand, it's good that a lot of people like our, our grandparents' generation. You had a lot of this that was back in the traditional, like the male went to work and the woman stayed at home and took care of the kids' generation. He had a lot of women unhappy with that reason. Like, just a lot of, he had some abuse going on. Yeah, a, a lot of problems with that generation. People just being married probably shouldn't have been married. Yeah, yeah. Generation of nobody's like, nobody wanted to get married. Like, our parents' generation, that is. Like, nobody got married. Like, it was very, like, very few people got married compared like, to everybody else. So it's like the family structure really took a hit. And also, when they threw in, um, way welfare was set up yeah like you're more likely to get welfare if you got just like got a single mom in the household and a welfare place to do so it's like I don't even need a man in this household I can just do it myself yeah I'm gonna pay for like pay for some food and some basic necessities and it started people start to see I guess the the other parent is like a see them as financial rather than all the other things that this parent brings, like I mentioned with the son and having the dad in the house. If the only thing you see this dad as, 
Oh, he need to pay child support, pay the money, but his presence is matter. Like, no, the presence is more important. Having him there is more important than having anything else. Now you got some single, some single dads out here. It's not as common as having single moms, but you need you have you have biologically you need two parents for a reason. Yeah, you do. And it's like I think the black community has to get back in the habit of uh, when you. We got birth control out here nowadays. Um, you, you got birth control. You got Plan Bs. You got contraceptives. They even working on like male birth control at this point. So it's like, hopefully, in the next our, in our generation, we can stop having kids before we before we are ready to have. Yeah, cause you know I like, I feel like for us it's just more of we just not going with nobody. We just not messing with nobody instead of messing with the wrong person. We just doing us and we feel like we just want to be we can be independent all the time we don't need nobody and i could and i guess i feel like you know that's caused like by like the past traumas and stuff yeah definitely um it's like a lot like dating in this generation is like difficult man it's like so many people just head in different places like people just aren't being upfront and honest about stuff it's just you see memes and stuff all, all over Twitter, and just it's one meme going around now where they have like the, the boy and the girl, and they both saying like you know, this toxic stuff to each other. It's like a joke now, but it's like that stuff is real. Like people really, um, you really gotta start making uh, smarter decisions when it comes to who you having kids with, who you starting families with. Because once you start, look, I think if you start looking at it as like an investment in your future, that's all possible. A kid is an investment. Yeah. Spending thousands of dollars taking care of this kid for the rest of your life. Woo. Have a kid with a person that you know is gonna be able to help you invest with. You're not gonna start no business with nobody that ain't about to be pulling their weight. Yeah. Why would you bring a child into this world that you about to take care of for the rest of your life? Eighteen plus years, cause nobody done in eighteen. Like we ain't we ain't financially independent at eighteen no more. People gotta go through college, people still People they ain't college, they working like everything expensive nowadays. Like people, people are tied to their parents for a long time. Really ain't out the house till you about twenty five. These are people I know. Like you got to get you a job. You got to start making money before you just all the way out your parents' house. I wish I was. I wish I was still in my parents' house. I'm out that motherfucker. Too early, really. I know a lot of me. Some people they make it out. A lot of people, man, they still got to go. Uh, they stay with their parents so they can get them a job. Or if they in the school or something, like, they, man, stuff expensive. Like, especially, like, where I come from. Like, Nashville, man, the rent there is so high. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Nashville ain't one of them cities where you just get to leave your house at 18. Like, nah, you need money for Nah, this. yeah, you need money, money. Yeah, them days of just, you graduate high school, get you a job at the factory, you out by 18, them days over. Oh, yeah. You make probably go to school now and get degrees and. After that, you gotta go find you a job and X Y Z. So it's like it's a lot of, a lot more people staying in the house. But it's like, it, just, it goes back to just man, we gotta. I think that's the biggest solution. Before we bring people into this world, make sure we are ready to have. Them. Yeah, but are you? I don't think are you ever ready to have kids though. Uh, they just you know happen. I think man, if you, the, the two people they don't like some people don't believe in marriage, man. That's that's on them. I personally do believe in marriage. I think that man, that's the safest way to have kids yeah like that's where you really know if you love a person you love a person you got some kids that's gonna strengthen y'all love but it's like 
and you with a person y'all off and on, and y'all have a baby, that baby not about to do anything but divide y'all. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Every person I know that had a kid with somebody they had a bad relationship with, never, like, people think they had the baby gonna bring them together, but it always end up doing the opposite. And I'm having a split household where some one of the parents taking care of the kid, other kid got visitation, then another kid coming to it, man, another, uh, Another woman, another man come into it, and this is get real messy. So it's like, man, that's why I believe in marriage. I think marriage can avoid a lot of those problems. Um, but I think from the black community, that's one of the biggest problems we have. We have a lot of kids, um, a lot of kids growing up um, out of like wedlock without like um, without two parents in the household. Then you also have um, a lot of problem, a big problem. A lot of people don't realize. I think the black community has a, we have a culture problem. And what I'm explaining and what, what I mean by having a culture problem, it's like we encourage negativity. Yeah. If you think of all the rappers to get attention, it's the ones going out there doing negative stuff. The people actually giving out to the, giving uh, back to their communities, um, doing charity, we don't hear about them. We hear about the people like Meg Thee Stallion getting shot in the foot by Tory Lanez. We hear about the rappers getting killed. Yeah. We hear about drama. We it's like you could say the same for a lot of a lot of different communities, but the black community is small. Black community is real small. Like there's like a universal split experience that black people have that I feel like a lot of races don't have. You can go meet a black person in another city, and y'all can probably just pick it up from there. Oh yeah, most definitely just. Everybody else, a lot of it's the big divide between them. But the black community is like, man, we all got differences and stuff. But I feel like overall, man, most black people, like they can, they can kind of relate to each other. And it's like, man, we have a, a culture that just promotes like just negativity and violence and stuff, man. It's like, I feel like we gotta start promoting more positive stuff. I hate that. In order to be a like mainstream musician nowadays, mainstream rapper, you gotta be like hood. I'm like, man, all these, all these dudes ain't from the hood. No. All these, street all y'all didn't sell drugs and gang bang and all that the ones that did you want to tell your story go out there and do it but if you grew up in the suburbs stay in the suburbs stay in the suburbs man you don't need to be acting like you from the hood like man you got dudes that um become millionaires and they want to go join the game yeah like you know like social boys and um, all of them it's like what are y'all doing y'all y'all are millionaires Use your money, use your influence to uplift the black community. Put money into some black businesses. Best in the neighborhood. Put some kids through school. Give back. Most definitely. That's, that's crucial. People just don't want to hit on those topics, man, because honestly, I feel like, man, there's a lot of systemic reasons behind the stuff I just named. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, black people don't own these record companies, so we don't choose what the agenda is. Uh, for these record companies but we do choose what we consume and if we are supporting these musicians out here who is promoting violence and killing and all that man that's influencing kids I remember growing up in high school I'm like 14 I think I was 14 years old when the first person um, I went to school with got, got killed I'm like man what like yeah. I'm a freshman in high school and my like classmates are not school like we had about six different kids die I'm like this is not normal nah not at all we got a culture that's like that they either uh, that, that supports violence in the 
negativity or tolerated. And you can't do either one of them, man. We need to start. Everybody can't be you no know, doctor, engineer, lawyer, nothing like that. But we got to get people on the right, right path. Everybody can't be a rapper. Everybody can't be sports. Somebody got to do trades. Somebody got to become a firefighter. Somebody. It's a lot of things that we could be doing try to get like the black youth his heads on straight early on so they don't get to the age where they 18, 19, 20 get in trouble with the law and it's too late for them. Because by then, nobody would help you. Exactly. They just think they're a lost cause. Yeah, man. That's just, that's, that's, if I had one wish, I would just wish for the black community to just to, all the negativity just to be gone, man. Because black people are very like strong people. Anytime you meet a black person who is in a position somewhere, they usually have to work about two, three times harder to get there. Mm-hmm. I see, man, like even in uh, like in law school, I have like we have 122 people, 120 first law first year law school students in my school, and ten are black. Damn. Ten are black, and we are the largest uh, racial minority at this school. Jesus. Black, uh, black lawyers make up 5% of the legal profession. People don't know what that look like. Go in a room with 100 people. Five of them are black. <laughs> yeah. That's what all look like. Bro, that's, that's crazy. But it's like, it's like that for a lot of different fields. From the medical field, from the business field. Um... Even like you know, police departments, fire departments, like we gotta get black kids, black uh, young people inside of these like professions, man. We can't like you know, we just need a like a real like big awakening. We need just some real strong leadership within the black community that's gonna guide us on the right spot. Yeah, I, I love uh, when, when civil rights issues come up. We have uh, leadership comes up, man. We got everybody get everybody get together. For like civil rights and stuff like that, like this past summer was huge. So many people came together. Um, so many people came together in this last election. One thing we can't be, we cannot be reactionary. We gotta be proactive. True. Before Trump in office and start passing this stuff, we need to be voting before Trump get in office. We can let things hit the fan before we decide to care. We gotta care year round. It sucks, man. Caring about stuff is stressful. But not caring is even worse. Hell yeah. Folks don't never care until it's too late. Yeah, that's just one thing. I just really hope that, you know, the black community can um can uh, can really just get uh get together, man. But it's like honestly, I understand why the black community is in the position that it's in, man. You had four hundred plus years of just slavery and institutional racism that's still going on to this day so much against people it's like to have any successful black person in this in this country sometimes i just be i'm like shocked when i meet black billionaires and stuff i'm like man ain't no telling how hard y'all work to get here but they worked a crazy amount of time they a self-made billionaire like you man like man most of these billionaires millionaires they get it's their family money Somebody died and they inherited that stuff. It's all these, uh, like just, not all of them are black, but any like self-taught, um, successful person, man, I got a lot of respect for them. Cause I'm like, man, you really, 
Like grind and also like to get that yourself. Yeah, but that that's but that's so hard to do. It ain't for everybody. That shit is ridiculously hard to just try that. Like even when like you just getting help from nobody, you doing that by yourself. Nobody know what tomorrow about to look like. Nobody, especially we all young. Nobody know what we doing. Oh uh, yeah. We looking at examples of other people and we going from advice that we hear, but none of us know what we doing. None, none at all. Everybody trying to learn this stuff out. You got people 50, 60 years old. Like life is not a. It's not a. It's not a, like a, a, a game. It's like a. It's, it's like no blueprint for life. It's just a constant, constant battle. Every day is a new challenge. So I think it's okay for people to admit that, man, we don't know what we're doing. We just trying to learn. We just got to keep an open mind and try to stay positive about stuff. Keep Have something to live for. Try to make the best decisions. When you make a mistake, man, brush it off and try to like, keep going. Oh, got to, got to. Oh, man, that was a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm packed a lot in that. Okay, Um. let's see. So how was it? So what kind of what what kind of drove you to like want to be a lawyer and just just kind of drove you? What's like what's your motivation? Um. So it was an incident back when I was in fifth grade. It was like over the summer, and I was playing like little league football. And I like I told you I moved a lot, so I moved to a new area. So we're trying to find. It was me, my older brother, uh, my cousin, and my sister. We in a car just over the summer looking, driving around trying to find football tryouts. So we were driving and we went to, we don't know the area that well, so we find like a school, you know, usually teams, like little league teams, they play on the school's football fields and stuff. So we went to this, we just driving past different schools trying to find out where the football team trials were. So we go to this one uh, school and we pull in there and it's like, unknown to us, they were doing a drug bus. Oh, like a sting operation. So I guess they're waiting on somebody to pull up there so they can try to arrest them. So we pull up there to the uh, to the school, and this is my older brother. Like he's in college at the time. He's probably about 19 years old. And then me and my sister, we both, like, we fifth grade, so we, like, I don't know how old that is, like, 11, maybe? 11, yeah, like, 11, 10, 11, something like that. Um, and then I, my older cousin was probably, like, 13 at the time. So we all young, just Trying to drive around so I can find football practice. And then we get there, and it's like the police, we pull into the school, and I guess they thought we were the persons that were part of this thing. So all the, it's like, man, five cars pull up, the lights come on, guns wrong. Like, we they made my brother get out the car, and I'm like, man, what? Damn. I was lost. Yeah, I was scared. I was scared as hell at the time. Like, man, like, you got all these cops. I feel like I was in a movie. Like, I was a set us off or something, man. Like, a little scene. <laughs> at the intersection and all I'm like that's how I felt this, that, at that moment and I was like man this is crazy and it's like I remember saying that I'm like man like how can they do this and get away from me yeah y'all, y'all scared the hell out of us pointing guns at the car asking us all these questions and stuff and it's like y'all y'all it's like y'all at a school you were, you were on public property doing this thing like in broad daylight like of course, at the time I was so young, but I'm like, man, I didn't, I just didn't like how that whole situation went. 
I was like, they shouldn't be allowed to do something like this and get away with it. And then growing up, just seeing all the Trayvon Martin thing happen, like a couple oh of yeah, years after that. yeah, that that was like the thing for me that really opened my eyes. And I watched that whole trial, like my summer, of my freshman year. I watched um, that whole trial. I watched. It. I was like, man, like this is crazy. How to us, we realize how fucked the situation was. But to the system, they don't care at all. And it's, as I got older, I started to realize that systems aren't just systems. People are just making them that way. And the only way you're going to be able to change those systems is by being one of the people who is making those laws, handling these cases, knowing the law. Like you got, like those are the people who are making things better. And I'm like, man, I could have went different routes. Like I, I thought about doing like music. I thought about doing. Um, I thought about going. I used to want to be a dentist, man. Like my mind used to go everywhere. Like every day, I want to do something new. I'm like, man, today I want to do this. Today I want to do that. Even in college, I was kind of bouncing around. But I eventually just stuck with law because I realized the um, amount of influence and things that you can do with your law degree. You can change a lot. Hmm. I see. Like, you know, we only have five. Only five percent of lawyers are black. So it's like we don't really have uncles and cousins and fathers and moms that practice laws we don't really know we don't really know the law like we're pretty ignorant to what the laws are oh yeah most definitely so like people aren't aware that man every uh every year new laws come into effect tennessee just passed a law that makes it illegal to protest on state property damn seeing that we don't know this though like that's i just feel like that's like not things that people just look up or just like not I mean it's available to everybody but you know they just people just choose to ignore it it's like man if you're not exposed to it like it won't matter to you yeah and that's, that's kind of how it's been like man we just need a real legal education in the black community so we can get these things changed it's gonna help everybody um, cause like man all these laws get passed and I'm trying to think of something that Tennessee uh, recently just passed that took it that went into effect on uh, January 1st. Damn. Look now, like in Tennessee, you got to be 21 to buy, like, to buy uh, tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? You got to be 21. Um, they also, they passed a law about um, pregnant well workers. Like, um, they can make more requests. And the last law um, I found was... Um, Nine-one-one operators can give CPR instructions. That's just, that's, uh, but it's just, they can save somebody's life. Um, but compared to the other two, those are not going to affect as much people. But it's like, man, new laws get passed every day, every year. And it's like, man, I wanted to be like I, I had to educate myself. That's why I majored, um, I'm at, uh, majored in polit- um, political science so I can try to know as much about institutions and governments because they have a huge impact in everybody's life, even if you're not. Even if you're not in politics, every field is affected by politics. COVID's all of that. When they do the shutdown, they don't care what field's when everybody shut down. Exactly. So it's like, man, I just really want—I really wanted to educate myself, and then be able to educate other people about laws and, and how they affect us. No, I, I respect that. I respect that. Cause, because, I, 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 like, like for me, I just. I, I just I, I don't know I just 
wasn't I'm just not like educated as like most of the laws. So it was like it's definitely good to hear from somebody that actually like knows about it. I'm learning, man. Like every day, it's like, man, you'll never know everything, but man, you gotta learn. We start, you gotta start somewhere, man. First, I don't understand this stuff. I, 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 I'm guilty of having to watch videos, explanations, other stuff. Yeah. But man, it's all about being informed, though. Like that's what it's all about. Most definitely, most definitely, and I appreciate that, man. But like both of us, we both, we both, you know, we both music lovers. So like, what's like, um, like what's like, what? Who's some of your favorite music musicians? Like, so man, like my music range is it's it go everywhere, but I I can listen to. I'm from Nashville, Music City, so man, I got I got to rep Nashville. For sure. We can, yeah, we listen to everything. Like, I grew up listening to because I grew up in a black household. So you got the Stevie Wonder, you got the uh, you got the Maxwell, you got the Osley Brothers, you mm-hmm. got your granny. So, yeah, so cool. yeah, all that. And your parents got that nineties, got the Jodeci, uh you got the new edition, like uh, yeah. so my, my music taste goes everywhere from R and B to rap to rock. I love I love like rock and some country music I like. Um jazz big jazz fan. Um but if I had to my, my I wanna say my favorite musician of all time, it gotta be probably Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean? Frank Ocean, top music, uh, music artist of all time. But I love Frank. I love Frank, man. My my favorite song by him is probably probably Nights. Like that was my top song this year on my Spotify. That was like my top five song on there. It was like <laughs> Nights, but that song, but the transition, but that shit just like everything. That shit is like so fire. He just he's a really good like storyteller. And just the way he crafts his, I play music myself, so I'm like, man, I, I hear his songs. I'm like listening to how he's like playing the notes and the transitions and what instruments he's using. It's like the lyrics of the song fit so perfectly with what he's trying to tell. Like nights, you have the song sounds like nighttime. Yes, like I feel like you driving just at nighttime, just looking at fucking you driving through the city. And like you just look and everything, it's just like, damn. With my favorite Frank song is Novocaine. Novocaine, oh yeah, yeah. Nostalgia or Ultra Days, like his making mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Classic, for real. Like it's another one of them songs where, like, I mean, I I, I was like young man when I first heard the songs. I I can't relate to Coachella and Cali and all that stuff, but it's like I felt like I was there. Most definitely. No. Just from the history, all that, just the lyrics. Like, he's an excellent storyteller. But he's my favorite all-time musician. My favorite rapper of all time, Andre 3000. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He nice with it. He nice with it. The 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 only problem I had, you know, you know, he just didn't want to make music no more. He ain't come up with, like, no solo album. Outcast days, man. He did a couple features and he was like, I'm out. Yeah, he was like, he done. I was like, oh man, you could do so much more. But you know, that's what he wanted. You know, I respect him. Like a low key uh, musician. Yeah. Most of the musicians I like are the one. Like Frank is low key as well. Yeah, you don't. You don't never hear from him. You don't hear about. You 
might get a picture with him on the street or something. But Frank, you ain't getting a picture with him nowhere. Like he just he's staying in the house or something. But hundred thousand, you might come up to him if you're in Atlanta or somewhere. Oh yeah. But like Frank, you don't you don't never see Frank nowhere. Frank live on the rock somewhere. He about to have, they just deleted all his photos off his Instagram, so I'm hoping we get a new album soon. Oh most definitely. Long time. We need a new album. Oh yeah. What was this? Sixteen? Yeah. First that was well first weekend of college. First album I listened to in college. Blonde. Like no no cap. Man, but you know man, before I let you go, uh you you told me that you was uh planning on doing a, a podcast in the near future. research and acquiring equipment and stuff but I'm looking to launch a podcast and hopefully about the next month or two um, and I mentioned a lot of like, a lot of things I mentioned in this uh, show uh, just talking about just some like legal things some like uh, political uh, stuff I want to have a show that you know we talk about different stuff and I want to bring on I don't know everything myself but I do want to bring on people who can talk to uh, my audience about just, just things I think is interesting or things that I think that's important. I want to kind of have, I want anybody to be able to pick up the phone and just tune in and they can have something they can just watch and relate to or just learn something about. So I'm still working out the details uh, for it. Um, but I do want to have it started by, I, I want to have it definitely done by, by March. By March is definitely my uh, start date. I really want to get it done in February, but I have to see how um, everything works out. Because, man, there's a lot of lot of different stuff, especially in Tennessee, man, because we don't really have a lot of folks talking about Tennessee, stuff that's going on in the state. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Need some, need some new blood, man. Man, but, yeah. So, I, we'll be sure to get information. Make sure, go look at your podcast when it drops. Man, but uh, before before I let you go, you know, every episode I let me and my guests choose the uh, song that, you know, just you feel like you should be added to your playlist, like you know, a gym. Song that should be added to the playlist. You think it's a gym, like what's like your favorite song at the moment? Favorite song at the moment. We already talked about nights and overcame, so I can't. Yeah, you can't, can't use that. <laughs> um, dang, I'm truly trying to. I listen to so so many songs, man. I'm really trying to really trying to think. Um. Well, I think I'm I'm gonna go old school. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. Mary J. Blige. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm going down. That's a clip. Is she on power now? Yeah, yeah. Go check out on power. Oh, if you go Mary J., I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna go to Minus Three Thousand um, Internationalist Players. Oh, for sure. That's just, his verse. Need to play that song. His, his verse is iconic. That's like that is an iconic verse. Poetry, man. Like the dude is he's speaking straight facts in that line. And his whole his whole verse is just gold. 
Oh yeah, we gonna we gonna sing too. Let me get that. Yeah. Everybody's gonna say that song with you, like play that at your party now. Oh me, for sure, man. But uh, but once again, Devin, I thank you for taking time out your day to come on the show. Man, yeah, I appreciate you for having me um, on your show. Uh, hope to be here again eventually, one of these days. Most definitely, you know. I'm always down. But um I guess man, I guess I'll uh see you soon, man, and uh good luck with law school. Man, yeah, appreciate it. Good luck in your uh so last semester? Yeah, man, last semester. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> your last semester uh college, man. You go by quick. Uh, yeah it is, but man, appreciate it again. Yeah, 